Are we ready to talk about this garbage episode so I can go to bed? Spoilers. Oh, you totally spoiled it. I was about to talk so much shit. Wait. I thought you guys would love... Anyway, are we recording? Shut up. (laughs) Yep, start that podcast. I'm out. Bring me And for that reason, I'm out. Welcome to Married to Podcast, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Talk to for the very first time. My name is Jake. With me are Cody Sam, Jill and Alex, and producer Terry. This week we're here to talk about Sleep No More, written by Mark Gatiss, directed by Justin Malotnikov. Sure. Air November 14th, 2015. Sam. Jake. Uh, we already heard some of your thoughts. What'd you think of this one? I'm not a fan. No. There were some fun parts, but overall, no thanks. Cody. This episode was garbage. The ending was amazing. The last 30 (laughs) seconds. Right. Terry. I was not a fan of it. I thought I would like the uh, different like perspective angle thing. Like, I don't know. It was all just not enjoyable to watch. Jill. I don't quite know how to feel about it. I think it was well done. It was an interesting story. Like, it was, a, it was an attention grabber, but I didn't love it. But that doesn't mean that it was bad. Just not really my type. <laughs> yeah. Alex? All of you are just uncultured swine. This, <laughs> this episode was, like, it wasn't amazing, but it wasn't trash. Like, it had so much subtlety to it. It was great. Herder, you're all a Sandman herder. That's not even what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, he said the subtle parts, not the the herder parts. <laughs> That's my bad. My bad. I literally didn't take a single note or write down a single thing for this episode. It's the first time I've ever done that. I barely stayed conscious. I'm pretty sure I wasn't for like a couple seconds. I did not like the Salem Witch Project type Blair Witch Project. Sorry. Nope, Blair Salem, Witch Project. Salem Witch Project. <laughs> I when, hate the phone footage. Right. Hate it. It's just, it's like watching YouTube videos from the early 2000s where they would quick cut everything and your brain just is like, nah. So I, I think I also don't like found footage historically, but I think the way this one was done, it was the best. Because they, they spliced in like the CCTV view where it'd be like up in the corner of the room into the people the people's perspectives. And I thought that was really cool. It makes no sense. You were watching it from dust particles? Yeah. They, they told you what it was, so it makes sense. <laughs> it doesn't, though. <laughs> okay, there's plenty of reasons not to like this story the dust particles being the cameras is not one you get to have (laughs) like it's a dumb sci-fi show that has a lot of dumb sci-fi things they can just say the dust particles are cameras the part where the doctor's like i took the footage from your helmet cams and she's like we don't have helmet cams 
and you're like, this is dumb. That's and then they come back to it 1.8 minutes later. You, you thought that was dumb? Like, I don't like any. I just didn't like this episode. Did you, that was, that was going to be my question. Is like, Did you guys realize that she said that when she said that? Because they didn't reference yes. it. Really? <laughs> and then what yeah. did you think? Like, oh, what does that mean? Like, did you ask yourself, what does that mean? Or were you just like, nah, that's stupid? I continued with this whole, this episode is ridiculous. Oh my god! And I hate it. Ah, oh, it was so subtle the whole time. That was one of the two parts that I actually like. I believe, thanks for asking what, what I thought about it, but... Uh, we didn't, but... Yeah. <laughs> I believe when this aired originally, you and I, Alex, were watching it together. And Probably. I, I paused it the, after the first time the camera is suddenly from Clara's perspective. Yes. And I was like, what the fuck? They just screwed up or something. Yeah, mm. that was really that cool. began and ended all the good parts of this episode. <laughs> I I really enjoyed it. It was really cool. And I so <laughs> I think the reason I like it so much is because of the the way it was shot and the direction, because every time they switched cameras there, from what I could tell, there wasn't any uh, discrepancies like it was like everyone was wearing a camera and they did it in all one shot which was really cool to me and I really like that. And then also just realizing at that moment, Jake, the, when, when Clara all of a sudden becomes a camera, then like realizing that it's been in people's perspectives the whole time. Cause I didn't even notice it up until that point, even again, watching it. Now. Didn't he say that at the beginning though, Dr. Whatever Rasmussen, I thought he said like, this is, this is the story from everybody's perspective. Yeah, but I didn't think it was, he says point of view. But yeah, that's yeah, like, a synonym. I clipped them all together best I could. I, I liked the idea of the cameras being inside the people's, like the sleep in your eye. Like that's what the, um, uh, shoot, what's it called? Morpheus, what that machine did to you. Um, I didn't really care for the floating dust cameras. Like mm -hmm. that seemed weird because like in the freezer area, I'm pretty sure you had like shots of not from perspectives of the two other people in there other than the doctor. And yeah. like, how could you sneak past them if they have no eyes when there are cameras everywhere floating around you? Like that didn't make sense the, to me. The sand monsters aren't using the camera footage. Yeah, that's Rasmussen. This is all it, being like a, downloaded to a computer or something because the doctor's able to hack yeah. into it. Yeah, and the doctor said that their vision is being sapped for something. And so whatever this was, stealing this um, vision was taking over the vision from the sand monsters is the way that I thought of it, I guess. So a positive, I thought the Sandman concept was cool. And you don't have to lie. The ending where the doctor like rubbed his eye and it turned to dust and then he all turned to dust. That was really good. That was yeah, terrifying. That. Can you imagine being a kid and watching that and then your parents being like, well, time for bed. <laughs> yeah, like, right. We're never going to bed. <laughs> so there's my positives for you for the episode. So what do you like? What did you think of that, though? Like the whole time, the doctor, as they're running to the TARDIS and leaving the doctor screaming, this doesn't make sense. So. 
to me, what that means is Rasmussen was actually patient zero and not the other thing that was in the coffin because he was more sentient and able to hold his human figure, I guess. And then that's that's why he was trying to get off planet so hard. You know what, man? I have no idea. <laughs> They're trying to <laughs> let... I don't like... The what? He's trying sense. so hard to go to the planet. Well, right, off station or whatever. Yeah, they're on a station. It's a ship. I thought it was a station in orbit. Ah, uh, maybe. Feeling too. I was just starting yeah, to contemplate because if the I was beginning to run. Where Clara called everything space, and he's like, "Okay, this line was great. <laughs> that was good verbatim. Not a spaceship or a space something or a space hat." And then the soldiers show up and go, yeah, there's space pirates. <laughs> and she's like, see? <laughs> oh, when she said see, that was like a super inappropriate time to be like, I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah, that's kind of how they roll. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Clara's she, she, main, she was also right, though. Clara's main character trait is that she's bossy and a control freak. <laughs> Fair. I mean, she had space suit like primed already. When the doctor's making it. Okay, so here's the main problem with the story. Yes, Alex, there's two or three little exciting moments where you kind of think you're piecing the puzzle together or you think you catch something that's exciting. But there's also a lot of contrivances just because they decided to do it in this style. So like when they first find um, Rasmussen's sleep pod and that hologram... Uh, not the ones of the singing ladies, but the one of the single woman talking at them for 25 minutes, I feel like. Uh, (laughs) While they're all looking up at this floating head, uh, 474 is turned away, like turned her back on it, facing everyone else, just so you have an excuse to have a camera shot pointing at everybody. And that's it. And it looks so weird. And I don't know anything that lady said, because I'm just looking at, 474 being like what the hell is she doing (laughs) i didn't even notice and had i have if i did notice i probably would have just thought oh she's in surveillance mode because she's basically a robot right like just making sure the people aren't gonna die sure man that's how you surveil is by staring at the people and not the surrounding area where the monsters are <laughs> i'm not saying she's a smart robot <laughs> she's not a robot <laughs> and also she she was in love with um chakra so she could have just been staring at him chopra chopra when they're in the freezer and the doctor's kind of figuring out that the dust is the cameras And he says, we have footage from everybody except from Chopra because he refuses to sleep in the the Morpheus pods. And then we immediately cut to Chopra, who's by himself, and we get his point of view. So the episode can't even maintain (laughs) its own rules for 25 seconds. Yes, the very next shot is like him staring down the barrel of his gun walking through the hallways. I don't think it was his perspective because he never actually held the gun up to his face really well. I think it was a speck of dust was next to his gun. gun. (laughs) That's what I got out of it. Because like whenever you see that lives everywhere in the air and could be anything. (laughs) But there were there were. Yeah, that's a good point, Terry, is that there were other shots of people holding their guns. And that specific scene was a lot different. And I will give you that the first two times they do it, when they cut to Chopra, he doesn't have his gun up and he's not looking down the barrel. But the third time he is. So I, again, 
just chalk that up to a very difficult editing job. Like you do all this POV shooting for God knows how many weeks it took them. And then some poor assholes got to go into the editing bay and make it all make sense somehow. And uh, they did the best they could. Sorry, editing people. I don't want to be mean to this episode because I'm sure people like it somewhere like Alex for some reason. And I don't want to like, I've I've told you exactly why. <laughs> Alex's no favorite episode question. is Tooth and Claw. <laughs> Nothing he says means anything. And you I guys don't. Are just terrible. Yeah, I, I don't want to like rain on people's parades of their hard work, but I I am not a fan. This also wasn't a Doctor Who episode. It was very like scary horror, dark. It was different. Like, uh, it was very different. It was one dark. of the things I really liked about it was just the uniqueness of it. Of it, like it's not something we see every season. It's not like another episode at all i Thank thought that was really Lord. cool <laughs> well i will say okay to have things that are different and enjoy things that are different i will say some of our twitter friends did re-watch this because they wanted to refresh themselves because it's not an episode people <laughs> typically re-watch regularly and they came away with you know to spoil tweets later they came away with some positive things so i was super excited to watch it today and uh you know the first five or ten minutes in i was like all right i see what's happening and then the next 15 minutes is just people slowly walking around talking and then like my second note is the way rasmussen dies is really cool he's absorbed by one of the sleep monsters but it's like in the background because the camera being used is like on the floor and he's like four people deep and the camera's shaking because they're being like their gravity failed and they're going down towards the planet. Mm -hmm. And that was all really cool, but it was also 22 minutes into the story and it's the first cool thing that happened. <laughs> I, th I think for me, like the slow stuff in the beginning is the slow burner stuff where they're already doing the things that you're going to pick up on later. So then I guess retroactively makes me like the episode. Yeah. Because well, then once I figure out what's happening, it's like, oh, shit, that was really cool. And that boring part, there was a lot of stuff I'm going not on. Talking, I just didn't know. I'm not talking about the beginning. I said that I liked the beginning. It's from well, you're saying for the next 15 minutes well, after the from beginning. from minute 10 to minute right. 40. Yeah, nothing happens. Well, no, that's them walking around and then they're already doing the perspective, like view things like deep, like, I don't know. I just thought it was cool. Oh, I get I, I agree that there is some cool stuff and like, yeah, the changing perspectives was fun to navigate. But in the story, nothing's happening. It's the problem with two parters, man. <laughs> this God damn it, Jill. It's a single one. It's a single uh, episode. What? Jill's making yeah, fun of me for whole, saying they're all two parters. The whole season's two parters. <laughs> I got her joke. Uh, um, another thing. Sorry, Jill. Um. 474 when she sacrifices herself for Chopra, I don't give a shit. And that's like really 40 minutes into the story. Like I should care about the characters by now. You had feelings for 474? Wait, so that's the thing. Was a girl? Yes, they said it many times. <laughs> so in the beginning, when you first meet 474, uh is mad at her because He's like, oh, she's a killing machine, but all she does is stand there like a lovesick puppy. And then you realize it's because she's in love with Chopra and she's just staring at him. And like that, like realizing that retroactively 
just made all the scenes with that interaction with her and Chopra feel really cool. I don't know. I really liked um, how Clara and the doctor just jumped right in. Um, just the whole beginning part of this. First of all, I really like the like technology, Dr. Rasmussen, how he introduced the characters. Like I know maybe it was just obvious, obvious but I, I don't know. We didn't really get to know the characters because they were just, I know it was slow moving, but they were just constantly doing and finding and we didn't really get to know their personalities very well. So I actually liked the introduction a lot of the, like the sci-fi-ish, like pops up on the screen, technology, whatever. But I liked that Clara and the doctor just jumped right in and we didn't meet anybody. We didn't meet them or we didn't see them out of context ahead of time. They just appear. Yeah, I oh, do. Was there just no title sequence? Yeah, that's that'll be in fun facts. But yeah, I I like what you're saying. Like when how we were introduced to Clara and the Doctor from the perspective of our guest cast, instead of like having a scene in the TARDIS, then a scene with the guest cast, and then they all come together. Right. Exactly. I kind of felt like that about the whole episode too. Like it's a lot of them playing off the guest cast. Like it's not a like Alex already said. It's not a Doctor feature. Well, and I I wish they would have continued that because I think it is like that, but not but only for like the first 15 minutes. And then once it becomes just the Doctor, Clara and Nagata, then it's just kind of bog standard Doctor Who episode. That is true. It's also it's just fun to watch the Doctor piece everything together. Like he he obviously knew things about what whatever century they're in, 38th or 39th. But he didn't know a lot or hadn't experienced a lot, it didn't seem like. So he was learning with everybody else, where a lot of times he has the edge or he's been there before and knows certain parts of, of the story and what happened. So it was fun to watch him figure out the puzzle, too. I thought he did know what happened. Like, at one point in the beginning, he tastes the air and was, like, saying, oh, it's this time on a Tuesday. And he said something about like a catastrophe happened or something like it's something like a big event happened and he knew about it already. I so think I... that's previously in the history of the line they're in. So like could have been a hundred, could have been a thousand years ago. It's a reference to a classic episode called Frontios. Oh, oh that's right. fun. From the description the doctor gave, it was like a, it was like a massive play tectonic shift. Yep. Oh, that's right. Which caused that nation. So that nation is just on this station. Well, it's their government. It's run by Indo-Japan. So like when that tectonic shift happened, India and Japan essentially became one country because they connected physically. And so it just meant that that's the government that owns this facility. So all the actors are either Japanese or Indian. I see. I really like the idea of Morpheus of having like a sleep pod that speeds up sleep and you're able to work longer. Like how the five minutes of sleep equals a month. Like I like that idea of their new technology in the future. And definitely if it would be <laughs> better made, <laughs> that would be a lot better. Um, but I really liked that aspect and it was really creepy that like it snatched Clara out of the room just to make her sleep. Like that was kind of off putting. That was 
Yeah, that seems yeah. odd for that machine. Well, and because we don't see it, it's completely off screen where she's just missing. Or there's like a scream and she's just like inside it. We didn't see it grab her. What happens after that month? Like, does it, it makes you sleep for five minutes and you don't need sleep for another month and then it grabs you? I think it means you can hop in it for five minutes every day. But it's like after a month, you will need like real normal sleep for a while. That's kind of what I wager too. Plus, like, how was that not the most amazing thing ever? Yeah, I'll take I don't know two. what Trope is about. That was like the first month, the first year of Pod Baby's life. Sleep five minutes here. That's pretty much it. Then eventually, like, after a week, I get a real night's sleep and then go back to not sleeping for a week. This would if be like the dream of people with children for sure. <laughs> uh, to get. That part you were talking about, Terry, uh, when they introduced Morpheus or whatever, I didn't put it down as one of my favorite lines, but I do. I did chuckle at the part where Clara goes like, oh, Morpheus, god of dreams or whatever the hell she says. And the doctor looks at her. And she's like, yeah, it's not all just this and like points at her face. <laughs> I love I laughed out loud at that. Alex, give me that Twitter theme song. Tweet, 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 tweet. Tweet, tweet. Man, I hope you have more gusto later. <laughs> he wasted it all on trying to explain why this episode wasn't garbage. It's okay. If we didn't have one person who liked it, it'd be a really boring <laughs> podcast. It'd be real bad. This is the part of the podcast where we read tweets from people that listen to this podcast. I don't know why they do. But if you want to participate, you could do that at Married to Who Pod on Twitter. Okay, Cindy, not that Cindy, at Needs More Yarn says, It's not boring. Disagree. I see what they're trying to do, but the writing wasn't good enough to make it work. There are a couple of good moments between the Doctor and Clara. Best to go out of this one and never look back. I'm going back to sleep now. (laughs) It's a good episode to sleep after. Or during. (laughs) Chris at This Emo Trash says, been a long time since I rewatched it, and honestly, I enjoyed it so much more than I expected. It got very mixed reviews, and I think most of that comes from it being sandwiched between two amazing stories. So you got that to look forward to next week, guys. So this one falls Yay. by the wayside. I love the concept. I'm not usually a big fan of found footage horrors, but it really works here since this is a completely unique take on an episode. The side characters could have been better, but you still get to see the relationships between them, especially between Chopper and 474. The mystery keeps building with the way the cameras keep flicking between each other, and then the reveal that there are no helmet cams, and yet we still see things from Clara's perspective as well. The paranoia that Clara feels at the start slowly becomes real. The way it starts to end with the doctor just shouting about how it doesn't seem real is a bit meh, but obviously that makes sense when the context is that it's literally a story put together by the Sandman to entice people into watching. I really like the actual ending with Rasmussen turning into a Sandman and explaining how if we're watching, the process has already begun pointing at the viewer's eye, saying, you've got something just there, verbatim. Reminded me a bit of the end of Blink, where it just shows you a bunch of statues and tells you that if you feel something in your eye, you're already as good as dead. Mm. It is, I will say, this is like the 105th reference to something being in the corner of your eye in Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, It's like his favorite fucking thing. I don't, like, first episode he starts doing it. It is really creepy and personal. Yeah, and he... He likes to find things that kids get scared of, like, you know, thinking you see something just behind you moving and it's you turn and nothing's there. 
Uh, well, yeah, see. it'd be weird if it was like there's something hanging out of your nose. <laughs> <laughs> Which works sometimes, like with uh, listen. What was that one? That was a story, yeah. That one where you think there's things in the corner of your eye, but there's nothing there. That was stuff under that... your bed. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I get what you mean. Like the uh, yeah, the perfect hiding. Just out of sight type of thing. Yeah. Uh, Chris goes on. If I had to give an MVP, it would be to Mark Waters, the director of photography, since it isn't very often that the camera placement itself is part of the story. And I think it's perfect here. It's unfortunate it's not looked favorably since I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. But I guess that's what bad series placement does. Interesting to see what other people slash the Marys think, since mine is probably an unpopular opinion. Yep. I think you all mm. agree with him. You all loved it, right? Yeah, no, the camera placement was fantastic and everywhere and sporadic and eclectic. I really liked the camera placement for real. It just, it made it unique, made it weird. I liked it. It made me more sick. Did not <laughs> that's appreciate. a you thing. Yeah, that's your fault. <laughs> well, it's half Cody's fault. Doesn't make it a terrible episode. I'm just not a jiggly camera guy, you know. Yeah, me either. <laughs> that's what that's what everyone says really, about you. <laughs> I really liked the like the screen, uh like the blurry screen going ahead of it randomly too. Just like all the randomness of it. I don't I just I thought that was all really well done. There's certain things that should be jiggly and cameras are not one of them. <laughs> if you're Unless... running with a camera, guaranteed it's jiggly. Yeah, you all watch the WAP video. <laughs> I actually don't know if I've seen the whole thing. Uh, Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says, and this wasn't the most loved episode at the time, but with hindsight, I can appreciate what they were trying to do and really like some parts of this. The idea of found footage who is a genius one and cleverly executed if a few years too late to be new. Reese Shearsmith is fantastic. He was uh, Rasmussen. Creepy in his forte or creepy is his forte, and he's in full force here, sinister and manipulative, and the final scene does stay with you. And as an aside, would definitely recommend the League of Gentlemen's shows to you, especially Inside Number 9, if it's available in the U.S. I don't know if it is. Um, League of Gentlemen is like a comedy group that he's in with Mark Gaddis, who wrote this. The story introduced me to Bethany Black, and she's brilliant in it, giving emotion and humanity to a character that could have been very 2D, even if they're unfortunate even if there are unfortunate implications in casting a trans actress as a character without a real name, just a number, though that's only a fan complaint and not hers, I tend not to pay it too much mind. The lack of opening credits is so strange and just adds to the eerie, unsettling nature of the episode. The Sandmen are very one-note, though there is little that can be done with that idea, and I do think that sentient sleep dust is up there with the moon being an egg and trees protecting from solar flares. Seems there has to be at least one ridiculous concept per series. As for favorite lines, I can't ignore the Oliver reference for obvious reasons. I don't know yes. the Oliver. Yes. <laughs> what, what? You don't get it? No, nope, oh, what was so it? good. The consider yourself part of the furniture. Ah. Uh, Terry, did you get it? Yes. Thank you. Get shit I was like, out. Alex, you know the song? He's like, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Terry will. Uh, and any callback to classic doctors are always wonderful. So I have to choose the reuse of when I say run, run, which I think was a fifth doctor line. Very curious what you all think of this. Uh, as Jake says, you've been very generous this season with your thoughts on some episodes. <laughs> 
Can't wait to hear, as always, and very excited for what you're almost at. Ooh. Hopefully this another episode two- makes every other story seem like gold. <laughs> uh, Passion Fruit sent a jar candle at B Bird Moth. B underscore bird underscore moth. Uh, she's one of the listeners of our new best friends, the Neither the Time Nor the Space podcast. So she's always uh, around. So maybe she's listened to an episode of ours, maybe not, but she tweeted. Woohoo. She says, underrated. Like, yeah, it's not incredible, but it's good, or at least not bad. Feels like a bit of a waste of Reese Shearsmith, though. That, I'm on board with that. Shearsmith really shined. Giving away my MVP, but I thought (laughs) he was... You guys have seen him, to burn a fun fact. He played the second Doctor in, like, one scene of that Adventure in Space and Time docudrama we watched. Also written by Gatiss, their buddies. So, of course, he got in there. <laughs> His name would also come up a lot when they were, like, casting for a new doctor. Fans would shout his name out. Alex, give me that Mrs. J theme song. Holy shit. What? Oh, man. She, oh, came, she came back for this one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, how does this go? Uh, you can make a new one. Mrs. J. McCrimmon, she's going to give us a tweet. Yeah. Mrs. McCrimmon at Mrs. J. McCrimmon. First, she said, it's been a while, so I'll get back to you. I'm going to go rewatch it. So she actually watches today. So sorry. Uh, so she says my thoughts as i watched clara saying space pirates insert leo pointing meme which we actually mentioned last episode um i think the terms and conditions apply reprise is my favorite part i also like the nerdy uh not to silurians naming controversy you guys wouldn't understand that i'll explain it some other day uh deep ando's death is the first obvious sign i picked up on that the camera was not from our band of hearers point of view but that brings me to the problem the tension between this being found footage versus the twist that we actually have an unreliable narrator makes it all feel empty an experimental found footage experiment even if 10 years after everyone else had done that i could get behind an unreliable narrator i can get behind but the switcheroo of one to the other bleh The lack of resolution necessitated by the format is also unsatisfying. And then, wait, I have something else to say. And then she goes, shh, I haven't done this in a while. (laughs) She goes, I did like this episode as I watched it until the end anyway. Yes, it was very run of the mill in story, as it points out in the text. But it was a solid base under siege, which I like. It's just that ending. I, I think that's I really is, don't get the ending. It's inherently episode <laughs> or why well, we do this. podcast. understood. Yeah, we should just skip this. It's it's obviously not understood. No, it's understood I mean, that you don't get it. Oh, <laughs> hey, you got to take your medicine before we can get to the good stuff. Uh, I miss Janelle Hobbs. Janelle Hobbs at J. Christine H. says they definitely need some more workshopping on this one, but I enjoy when Doctor Who goes experimental 
a quick thought on the last episode since I missed it. There's a lot of good in the Zygon two-parter, but I feel too much of it's filling time before the speech, which is phenomenal, rather than properly digging into the characters slash story we see, which is a bit of a shame. And I think Jill brought up that exact same point. Alex, give me that fun facts theme song. Fun, fun facts, fun facts, fun and fun facts, fun facts. Uh, This is the first televised story with no opening credits or titles. However, when Rasmussen's video ends, there is like a sort of credits where the episode title appears in the form of code, along with all of the character names and the words doctor and who intersected by the name Clara Oswald. I thought that was at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said (laughs) at the end. Well, it's after Rasmussen's video ends, but his video at the beginning where he's like introducing the story. Got it. Yep. Bethany Black played 474. She's the first openly transgender actor to appear in Doctor Who. She's also had roles in two RTD series, Cucumber and Banana. Like what? Uh, Banana. They're both like miniseries. Banana was about like, I think it was like eight stories and each one is like about someone's relationship in the city. And then Cucumber was kind of the same thing, but I think it's about uh, gay relationships. I feel like I had a stroke. Like, this episode makes no sense, and then also the words coming out of your mouth (laughs) are also not making sense. Fair. Not counting cliffhangers or continuing arc stories, this is the first story where the villain wins since the first Doctor's era. Now, this fun fact comes from the TARDIS wiki, and I don't think it's true, because I think the Daleks win in Victory of the Daleks, which was in Series 5. So boo to you, TARDIS wiki. (laughs) I don't remember that episode. Well, the Daleks' whole plan is to create the paradigm Daleks and to use the Doctor to be able to do it, and they're successful, and then they leave. Ta-da! Uh, Paul Davis played a Sandman. He was also Drill Wookiee Slave in Solo, A Star Wars Story. There's a movie I haven't got around to seeing yet. You're good. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, There's some fun (laughs) stuff. Save me two hours. There's some fun stuff. Uh, Give me that favorite lines theme song. Favorite lines, favorite lines. Uh, We got a bunch of sleepy dogs and some favorite lines. Alex, give us your favorite lines. Verbatim. Uh, may the gods look faithfully upon you, just because it was eerie. Hate it. Uh, what was... There was one more. Oh, I like the we don't have helmet cams, because it was just sprinkled in there and not addressed right away. I thought that was really cool. I agree. I, too, also had we don't have <laughs> helmet cams. Um, and then my only other one that I had was uh, <laughs> um, Clara doing the not just this gesturing to her face. Then I have the doctor getting the attention of the Sandman in the ship uh, going, hey, Sandy. <laughs> in the last uh, the last scene where he says um, there's a signal or Fuck, I'm just going to like where it mm, verbatim verbatim where he says there's a signal that uh, messes up the sleep centers of your brain. 
And then like the thing flickers on the screen. He said, did you see it? There it is. That was like the oh, first Rasmussen. Was, yeah, Rasmussen. That I, I was like, OK, OK, it's pretty exciting. What's next? He's a sad man. <laughs> all right. I've got when they're in the Morpheus room with all the three pods and they just kind of discovered what they do. The doctor says, sleep isn't just a function, it's blessed. Every night we dive deep into that inky pool, deep into the arms of Morpheus. Every morning we wake up and wipe wipe the sleep from our eyes, and that keeps us safe. Safe from the monsters inside. And then I had the one with Clara pointing to her face. (laughs) What's the pre-Clara pointing to her face? It's like... This is the dream. She, yeah, she's someone says Morpheus and she goes, oh, Morpheus, the god of dreams. And the doctor like looks at her like, oh, good job. She's like, yeah, yeah, not just this. All right. The whole line then is my favorite line. <laughs> Vote. Already did. We all voted for our own lines. Not just uh, this. We don't we don't have we don't have head cams. It's never space restaurant or space champagne or space, you know, hat. It's just restaurant champagne or hat. That's my line. Can we get space champagne? Uh, I'd be down. <laughs> Alex, the MVP theme song. Wait, is that copyright? Oh, Jesus. Oh, I was like God. the 21st Century Fox. Do another one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, do 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 MVP. <laughs> I'm gonna play it anyway. Be appropriate about it, Paige. Alex, who's your MVP? I'm gonna give it to uh, the director because I really liked the direction that this was shot in. It was great. Uh, close second, writing. I, I really like the story. Five bucks if you can give me either the director's first or last name. Oh, I wasn't listening when you said it. Oh, what I do know. we pay you for? You have to tell us the name. I said it. I know. Someone, I wasn't listening. Yeah, it's someone who writes all the time. Uh, I said director, Sam. Russian, no, dude. writer is Mark Gatiss, but the director. Oh, I don't know. The director is. I don't know. It's Justin Malotnikov. Oh, yeah. Uh, he also directs the uh, next episode, which is great. So. Yeah, I'll give it to him, too. Why not? Boom. Sam? Uh, the CGI for the scene of the guy rubbing his eye and falling apart. Oh, and I have to say all the people that do the CGI. <laughs> yeah, it's Visual effects oh. by Milk. Special effects by Real SFX. The VFX editor, Dan Rawlings. Cody? Hmm. I, too, enjoyed the CGI. But I... I think Reese Shearsmith is the winner. Terry? I am going with Bethany Black, number 474. Yay. Yo. Jill? I am also... Hold on. Does the director choose the camera angles? Yes. Then I'm going with the director, Justin. (laughs) Not attempting his last name. There is some fun behind-the-scenes stuff online you can watch to see how they did some of it. It is now time for everyone's favorite podcast segment, the Trivial Pursuit slash Doug Benson movie game game. I'm going to ask each of the five of these people a question from the Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit game. It will pertain to an episode we've seen before. Uh, The difficulty will be random. 
the first person will get a question. Everyone gets a chance to go first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. If they get it wrong, the next person gets four multiple choice. If they get it wrong, the next person gets to guess, etc. Jill was last week's runaway winner with three of the five possible points. I have randomly generated this week's order. It will go Terry, Cody, Sam, Alex, Jill. Hot. Terry, are you ready? Let me get my Wikipedia page open and I'll be ready to go. <laughs> yeah, Terry's I'm ready. Got jokes. What, what wiki page are you opening, though? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How to win Trivial Pursuit on WikiHow. <laughs> okay, Terry. Yes. Where was the Rachna ship, the secret heart, hidden? I will tell you, this is from the Christmas special, The Runaway Bride. Oh, God. Um, I feel like that was a lot of help. It's not. <laughs> like, I remember. Oh. Is it the, I'm going to go with the center of the earth. That's correct. Holy shit. Nice. <laughs> maybe, maybe that was too Excuse much Excuse me? <laughs> Thanks, Jake. <laughs> ah, Terry never wins. Cody, are you ready? I've, I'll say yes, but probably no. What age was the master when he was forced to stare into the untempered schism? Uh, what is eight? Eighty. Uh, that's what I. What? Uh, which one, Cody? <laughs> well, he's a time lord, so I feel like their eight is eighty. But I'll say eight. That's what I would have guessed. That's correct. Nice. <laughs> good channeling. <laughs> oh my god, uh, I, I channeled so good. That's amazing. Wololo. Okay, I'm looking stuff up for the multiple choice of this next one because whoever's oh, well. turn it is ain't getting it right. Oh, Sam. <laughs> Thanks. I I love this podcast today. It's been great. <laughs> okay, Sam. In Midnight, what was Dee Dee writing a thesis about? Can you tell me what the episode was about, much like you told me? <laughs> I just told him the title, which I have also just told you. Nuh-uh. You said, uh, oh yeah, you did. I don't remember who Dee Dee is. I don't remember uh, <laughs> this episode. <laughs> you don't remember Midnight? Okay. I'm sure once I hear what it's about, I'll remember it, but I don't right now. It's the one where the doctor goes on a bus ride. Donna stays back and gets a suntan and all the people start. Oh, yeah. When they're on the. Yep, yep, yep. Um, noise pollution. Al I have no idea. <laughs> Alex. Is Yo. it adipose three? Pyrovilia. The Last Moon of Poosh, or Califrax Minor? I'll go with The Last Moon of Poosh. That's correct. Hey, wow. thank you, David Tennant. <laughs> Dang. Well, I, I had to I... look up all the planets that were taken in Journey's End to get a list. That's what took me so long. So those are all planets that were taken <laughs> for the finale of that season. I just remember a... him saying the last moon of Poosh. Like, oh, I have no man. idea in context, but <laughs> is just David Tennant delivering that line. That was a really good memory. Good job. Also, this game is baloney. 
You're blown. Well, you won't be saying that Probably. after you hear Alex's question. <laughs> <laughs> so Terry has one. Cody has one. Alex has one. Alex, after I ask this, I'm going to spend some time looking up possible multiple choice. Which East Sussex school did Harold Saxon's wife, Lucy, attend? Oh, my God. So easy. Um, it was it was uh, Sussex East Middle School. <laughs> <laughs> so these are all schools in Sussex. Nope. These are all schools in Sussex, Wisconsin. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> are they called Sussex East? All right. So I'm assuming that the question, because they say in the episode what school Lucy went to, so I'm guessing that means a university. And the schools I'm about to say may not be universities. I don't fucking know. So if you're going to give me shit, people on the internet, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Please give him shit. <laughs> Jill, are you ready for your multiple choice? Yep. Okay. Bexhill, Plumpton, Rodine, Sussex Downs. The first one. Bexhill. Terry? I will go with Rodine. That's correct. Yeah. Earned it. Solid guess. Okay, Terry has two. Cody has one. Alex has one. Jill, it is your turn. Your chance to get on the board. All right, Jill. What kind of people do the Echnodynes possess when they are sent to Earth in the Dream Lord's mysterious reality? What? Rich people? Terry, is it poor people, sick people, dead people, old people? Oh, God. Um, I remember this. Two points now. for Cody. I was going to say, can you say the question <laughs> one more time? I've already forgotten what we're looking for. <laughs> God, I uh, remember this I episode so much now. <laughs> I think Cody loved this episode. What, for that scene. <laughs> what kind I'm of a... people do the Echnodynes possess when they are sent to Earth in the Dream Lord's mysterious reality? Dead? Cody. Well, that's, uh, what is old people for 300? <laughs> you do not know how Jeopardy works. <laughs> but, yeah, stop doing that. That is correct. It is a two-way tie between Terry and Cody. I'm going to read one more question. Wait, wait, the scene where the old guy's like holding a lawnmower above his head? We talked about <laughs> forever. That was great. For a tiebreaker between Terry and Cody, I'm going to read a question. You just keep saying answers until you get it right. First person to get it right wins. Okay. Which Austrian Archduke assassinated in 1914 and mentioned by the 10th Doctor shares his name with a pop band? Franz Ferdinand. Yep. Yay, Cody's a winner. Alex, even that paper cup with these on? Uh... <laughs> 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 He's so old, he can't reach for the button. He just sounds like this has been Married to Who's episode on Sleep No More. Uh, if you would like to participate with us in our social medias, you can follow us on Twitter, Married to Who Pod, on Instagram at Married to Who, or you can email us, Married to Who at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to listen to this podcast, you can do so on Spotify, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. If you want to listen to the old, old episodes that aren't on Spotify, you can do that on our website, MarriedToWho.com. Uh, on behalf of myself, Jake, 
Cody, Sam, Jill, Alex, producer Terry. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time for Face the Raven. Do 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 do